Anyway, good morning, everybody. How's everyone doing? Hope you're doing well. Pardon? We're here. Well, you should be doing great. You, you were with me all morning and last night. But anyway, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> morning, everybody. It's good to be together. And I do, I want to talk to you. I, I, I love what Ron shared about this scripture in Ecclesiastes. Some of us have only heard this scripture at weddings, right? Like, isn't this just the wedding or a wedding scripture? Like, at least 75% of the weddings you go to, you at least hear this scripture or a part of it. But I want to talk to you uh, this morning for a few minutes about just the context of our relational world and in particular our friendships. I just want you, uh, before we read the scripture again, I want you just to consider your friends. Um, and I want you to consider your relational world. And hopefully, by having a little bit of a conversation around this this morning, we can all kind of up the level of gratitude and appreciation and maybe become better friends to our friends. Now, uh, our friends show up. Our relational worlds are um, very intricate and, you know, uh, multiplied out over a lot of space, right? We have people that are kind of acquaintances, but then we have those friends that are kind of doing journey with us. For some of us, our best friend is maybe our spouse, might be a son or a daughter, it may be a mom or a dad, it may be a a different family member. But I want you to think about all of those beautiful relationships that God has given you and given me, and I just want to give thanks even as we start for the just the goodness of this gift that God gives us in relationships. And it can be messy, can it? It can get messy sometimes, um, and it can be difficult sometimes, relationships and friendships. But man, it is so, so good. It is such a gift in our lives. Few gifts uh, in our life are as great as our relationships. At least that's the intent. of God is that our relational world would be one of the greatest gifts of our life. Um, it was God, remember, it's a God idea that we have relationship. You remember in Genesis 1, perhaps, where uh, God says about um, Adam that it's not good that Adam is alone. Now, you'll notice that God was already there with Adam when God says it's not good that Adam's alone. So some of us maybe at times think, well, it just needs to be me and Jesus, and it just needs to be that's the only friend that I really need, but God um, would differ. God says that there's, it's, it's almost a given that God re- desires a relationship with us. God essentially says, I'm always with you, right? I never leave you, I never forsake you, but I really want you to have the goodness that can come in friendship. So uh, that's what I just uh, want to chat for a couple minutes about this morning. So Ecclesiastes 4, thinking of this scripture beyond just as a marriage scripture, but thinking it in, in relationship to our relational world and to our friendships, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. 
Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So, friendship is one long conversation. Sometimes the conversation has long pauses, but essentially that's what friendship is. It really isn't good for us to be alone, and one of the greatest gifts that God gives us are the people around us. Few things will impact your life and mine more than our friendships, more than our relationships. Very few things in life, when it's all said and done, will have bigger impact on our life for good and sometimes not so good than our relationships. See, good friendships and good relationships, I could, I could stand up here and try to give you like four simple steps to friendship. We know that it's way too much, it's way too complicated, it's too intricate, and it's too unique. Relationships are just too unique, right? However, what we can, uh, what we can kind of whittle down when we start to talk about friendship, and I think it comes from this scripture, it's affirmed in this scripture, is that there are qualities that when people talk about the goodness of relationship, they refer to a few things consistently. The first quality, and I think as we contemplate that, if, as we contemplate, as I think about it myself, wanting to be a better friend, wanting to be a better friend to my wife, who is my best friend, a better friend to my friends that I'm so close with, and my friends that I'm not quite as close with, but I want to just be a better friend, I, I want to know how to do that better. I want to not only have good friends, I want to be a good friend. Sound like a good idea? Say this after me. I want to be a good friend. Okay, you're all recorded now, so we can hold you to that. But anyway, we, can, we can't put it down in like three easy steps to be a great friend, but we can look at qualities that people consistently say are important qualities when it comes to friendship. The first one is loyalty. And loyalty, it just seems like it's nothing, does it? It seems like it's a nothing thing, loyalty. However, top of the list for almost everybody when it comes to their friendships and their relationships is loyalty. The scripture here says, pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Now, loyalty, right away, when we think about it, we think about loyalty as something that we kind of make sure is engaged when our friend is down, and it's certainly that. When our friend goes through something that is difficult, or they fail, or they fall, we want to be there to help them, to support them, to be with them in that. But just as important when it comes to loyalty is being loyal to our friends when our friends are soaring, when our friends are prospering, when our friends are doing well, that we would be the biggest cheerleader of our friends, that we wouldn't live into envy or that wouldn't disturb us, that our friend is doing so well, but we would be an encouragement because it can be a lonely place to be a person, uh, for a person to be soaring. It can be a difficult place. Everyone assumes that when other people are outwardly looking like they're doing well and soaring and prospering, that that everything else in their life is just 
all fine and dandy, but it's not always the case. You all know that because you've all soared. You've all had those times in your life when things were going really well and you needed people to, you needed friends to be loyal to you even in your victories just as much as you want to be loyal to them in their difficulties. Claire and I have a friend, uh, a couple that uh, they were pastoring in another part of the country beautiful friends of ours, and they went through just a horrific, horrific season in their life. Up until that season, it was really interesting because they were really soaring. Their lives looked, they were just looked like they were up and to the right. They looked like they were surrounded by all kinds of what appeared to be close friends. And literally overnight, it it just shifted. Their life shifted. So they needed loyalty at both levels. It appeared they had friends that were being loyal to them while things were going great. But it was interesting because the minute that the crash came, the very people that you would have looked at and thought were the closest people to them were the people that were the quickest to accuse them and to bring harm to them. Loyalty is not overrated. Loyalty is probably underrated. And if you want to be a better friend, let it start with being loyal. With being loyal to your friend when they're doing well and when they're not doing well. It has, we all know that friendship has such a significant influence on where we go and how we live. And I'll just say this about our friends, Claire and I, that the friends that I'm referring to, the, the, the vacuum of friendship that they realized, it wasn't all their friends, but a lot of their very close friends really turned on them. The vacuum of that, that, w- that was created by that disloyalty literally took them months and years to recover from. And I think some of those things, maybe they'll be wrestling with the rest of their life. Loyal when they're up, loyal when they're down. Young people, I would encourage you, which is young people are everybody uh, my age and under. Um, young people, I don't know if there's anything in, in my experience and parents and grandparents, I don't know if there's anything more important in your young person's life than their friends. And I, I know we've all seen it. We've all watched it. And um, your child's friends or your nephew, niece, grandchild, their friends are the people that God can use maybe more than almost anybody else in helping your child soar and do well. Teach your children to be good friends. They will reap what they sow. Second quality of contemplation is this contemplation of forgiveness. Forgiveness. The scripture says if either one falls down, one can help the other up. Friendship eventually comes with disappointment. Your friend will disappoint you and need forgiveness either for actions directed toward you or actions or failures that they have in their own life that just require forgiveness. Winston Churchill's mom says this, she said this, she said, treat your friends like pictures and place them in the best light. When our friends fail, when our friends go through difficulty, when our friends sin, 
What they need is not people that would stand and be, a, be the accuser of the brethren and partner with that, not bearing the fact that they need forgiveness, but bringing them forgiveness, supporting them. The friends that we'll keep the longest in our lives are the friends, usually, that will forgive the most. It's interesting, um, Claire and I, this was years ago, uh, some friends really close to us went through a different, different uh, couple, went through a really, really difficult season in their life, and um, we, through a bunch of circumstances, we had gotten them, they, they were needing some, some support for their relationship, and um, we just got open some amazing doors, it was to, to get them some support and help that they needed. Uh, we we uh, had them go to a different part of the country to sit down with a trusted pastor. And um, it was really interesting because there needed to be deep forgiveness in the situation. And uh, there were some huge fractures. And whether they were going to get through that moment um, and then how everybody else around them was going to respond to that was kind of all up for grabs. And it was interesting, uh, we sent them to uh, a pastor, a dear pastor, a friend of ours, and he, in the, in the conversation, he brought up this scripture. I love it. It's not on a slide. I'm just going to read it to you. It's Proverbs 25.2, and he says this, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. Everyone say this after me. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. And the glory of kings to search it out. Let me read it to you one more time. It is the glory of God that can seal a matter and the glory of kings to search it out. Because part of what we were working through is how to care for this couple and how to protect them and how to be with them in integrity, with integrity. See, because what we do in the church many times is we just want to expose people's sin to everybody. And sometimes that's just as much a sin as the sin itself. You do understand that, right? Like, what is it about us that we want to know everybody's business, right? And this pastor started to minister on that scripture, and it literally changed our lives. It changed our lives and the way that we approach certain things. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. And what he talked about was this family's going through enough They don't need the public humiliation. It wasn't a cover-up. It was the glory of God to conceal a matter, but kings, they want to leverage it. They want to leverage people's sin. They want to use it against them. And people will just say, well, I just want to make sure things are being done in integrity, when many times that's really not the motive. What the motive is is we want to use, strategically use people's sin against them. If you want to be a good friend, be a forgiver. If either falls down, one can help the other up. Be the kind of person that helps people up. Be the kind of person that says, I have got your back, friend. I will not gossip. I will not be an unsafe person. I will hold you to your relationship with integrity that you have with God, perhaps, certainly I'll do that. 
but I won't do it in a way that will bring more injury to you. Do you wonder why Jesus was so unhappy with unsafe people? Unforgiving people. Be a forgiver. Quality, the third quality that we see in the scripture is honesty. Honesty is a beautiful, beautiful word, isn't it? And we love this word honesty, but sometimes people think that means brutally honest. But it really doesn't mean brutally honest. I don't mean it that way at least. I mean honest with respect. You can be honest with respect. You can be humbly curious when you're honest with your friend. You don't need to be accusatory. You can be honest without lashing out with accusations and anger. You can be curious. You can bring things to them with humility and let them wrestle through those things. See, honesty was never meant by God. It's not meant by God in our lives to be a weapon. Why would we think that it would be in our lives towards our friends to be a weapon? Honesty is about authenticity. It's about not just the words I say, not just the questions I ask of my friends, honestly, and them being honest with me, but it's freeing them up to feel like they can be honest with me, to feel like they can open up their life to me and that I'll gracefully hold their life and their soul in a way with respect and honor, with care, not with accusing accusations, not not being... Uh, hurtful in the way that I say things. I love this. How will one keep warm alone? The reason that it's important in our relationships that we're honest is because we all have blind spots. I love when Claire or all of my friends that are so close to me are honest with me in a gracious way because I have blind spots. You have blind spots. I don't see things in my life. I don't see everything in my life, right? And the greatest gift, one of the greatest gifts of our friendships is that we can be honest with one another and authentic, care for one another, be strengthened by that, shine a light on the areas that need light shine. We can grow and become stronger because of those things that happen. That's how we keep warm. We keep, we can't keep warm alone. I, I can't, I can't see everything in my own life alone. When I do the journey with somebody else and they're honest and authentic with me, it frees me up to be the person that God's called me to be. It's important we do it with respect, that we do it with care when we're honest. There's a Chinese proverb I love. It says, do not use a hatchet to remove a fly from your friend's forehead. Cicero said this, remove respect from friendship and you have taken away the most splendid ornament it possesses. I want you to be yourself. I want you to let me be myself. Authenticity, honestly, honesty, it's the same thing. If I can live honestly with you and you can live honestly with me, certainly we're going to talk about some grime and some things that aren't great, but the more intimate the relationship can become, the more authentic we can be with one another, which leads to the last thing, the last quality out of this scripture that I want to bring to our attention, and it's dedication. Two are better than one, 
and they have a good return for their labor. Now, this is an exponential term here. It's not just one plus one equals two. Literally, God kind of gives his endorsement on your relationship. We all know that relationships produce. They produce things, right? There's a fruit that comes from your friendships, your relationships. There's fruit. There, there's beautiful things that come out of that. And what God says here is as you dedicate yourself, there's a return on that. As you dedicate yourself toward another person or toward other people. Dedication is simply making time, sacrificing, being selfish, selfless. Having a selfless devotion, commitment. It's beautiful. Claire and I, um, this week, we were doing a training uh, with people from all over the country. Most of them were uh, virtual, but... A few people were here um, from other parts of the country in the building. And um, it's interesting. So Claire and I really, these folks, we know a few of them, uh, but most of them we don't know at all. It's like this is the first time we meet them. We essentially spend four days with them um, for, for hours. It's like spending the whole week with them, basically. And every time that happens, and it happened this week again, we have had at least one person say, the training is, is not about marriage, and well, it is indirectly about marriage and, and relationships, but that's really not what the content's about. That's the secondary kind of benefit of it, uh, one of the many. But anyway, um, it never fails that somebody approaches us and says, I absolutely love your marriage and how you are such friends with each other. They say it in one way or another. And it's simply the fruit of 40 years of dedication and being friends. To God be the glory, friends, for your friendships. Because people are watching your relational world and mine. And one of the primary ways we can glorify God is by the way we treat one another. And we care for one another. Because we're all hungry to be loved and cared for. There's two different types of friends as I pull this to a close. There's friends on the road. We all know that. Those are those friends in our life. And we need both types of friends. But friends on the road are the friends that you have. They come and they go. They may stay in your life for a few years, but they come and they go. I was looking at our wedding pictures um, recently. Our granddaughters wanted to check them out. Claire and I have been married for 40 years, and um, I looked at my groomsmen. It's been a while since I've looked at those pictures, and I thought, you know, uh, a couple of those guys I haven't talked to in probably 39 years. They were, they were groomsmen. It wasn't like I was out at the corner trying to figure out who to pick. They were my friends, you know what I mean? It was like I wasn't running an ad in the paper. Those were my friends. And they left a deposit in my life. And that I have such gratitude for. And you have people that have been in your life and they have left deposits. And you need to celebrate with gratitude the deposits, the grace, the goodness, the way God loved you through your friend. Those are beautiful, beautiful things. That's actually the majority of our friendships. But then there's those golden friends. 
These are the ones that you share biography with. These are the wellsprings in your wilderness. Sometimes these beautiful people will know you better than you know yourself. They will see you soar and succeed, and they will see you fail, and they will gladly endure through it all. Dinah Mulak says this, Oh, the comfort glasses don't help water. Sorry about that. Oh, the comfort of feeling safe with a person, having neither to weigh thoughts nor measure words. Excuse me. But pouring them all right out just as they are. Chaff and grain together. Certain that a faithful hand will take and sift and keep what is worth keeping. And with a breath of kindness blow all the rest away. I don't know how you do that outside of a relationship with a golden friend and a golden God that you invite in. God says a strand of three cords is not easily broken. And I would invite you, if you want to be the best friend you can be, to make sure that Jesus is right in the midst of every relationship you have. If you have friends that don't know Jesus, you could still make sure you're the presence of Jesus in that relationship. I encourage you to have friends that don't know Jesus. We should all have friends that are away from Jesus. But you know this. When you come with the presence of God in your life as a friend, there is literally a superpower. Mm -hmm. There is a way to love people that goes beyond your ability and mine. And I bless you, friends, and I bless all of your relationships. And I think one of the ways that um, we learn how to be friends is by watching the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You know, this beautiful deference, how we see all through Scripture, you know, Jesus saying, I I don't do anything unless I see my Father do it first. And then Jesus says, um, you know, it's better that I go and the Holy Spirit comes. And the Father opens up heaven and says, this is my Son, listen to him. And I think um, this week we experienced so much good friendship. Um, people that we worked with this week, our team that helped us put everything together. And, you know, like they would just kind of sneak in and help these pastors and, 
and spiritual directors from all over, even in Italy and Canada. And, you know, Don would sneak in when our technology was messed up and Ron fixed something from afar that we didn't have right. And, and Sylvia and Stacy were serving these leaders all week long. And then, then I looked in the paper this week and I saw that, or it wasn't the paper, it was somewhere, that, you know, Tom, your team... Um, one, District. the districts, and and I, I was thinking about how many young people you've poured your life into, and been friends with, and in fact, we while we were one night with some of the people from the training, we went to the place where one of the people who was coached by you met a friend who he led to Jesus, and they were friends, and he was like, I'm going to be coming to your church, and I think. Tom was friends with these friends who made friends. You know, you, you don't really realize how your friendship builds the kingdom of God. We were getting ready for a funeral, and I was kind of tripping over stuff, putting things together, and Peggy came up, and she's like, can I help you? And I'm like, oh, Peggy, I have missed your face. You know, I've seen her behind the mask in the back. She... Um, she, you know, just, but she used to be part of the service coordinating team when we had a lot of people to serve at Crossroads Church before the COVID pandemic. And so we didn't really have that gift. And she came up, she said, what can I do for you? And so she started to talk about her passion for the food pantry and um, how she missed serving with her kids. And I'm like, Peggy, would you like to be the new director of the food pantry? And she said, Yes. I'm not kidding. You guys know Peggy? Peggy, wave at everybody. <laughs> and, and, um, and Leanne, you know, has served for many years and done just wonderful things with the food pantry that was handed to her from some other wonderful people who did the food pantry. And honestly, we didn't know what we were going to be doing with the food pantry. And God did. And I thought, you know what, God, you are so good to bring friends into our lives that show up at the moment you need them. And when you wonder what might be next, I got to tell you, there's friends in the backyard right now with your kids that they're back there on blow-ups and they're hot. In fact, have we gone over time yet, Don? Are we still okay? Okay, good. Because we promised we weren't going to kill them this year out in the (laughs) sun, you know. But they're out there. Those friends got together and they met and they talked about how do we want to love the kids. Today after church, I've got food pantry people coming to my house for pizza and watermelon. And um, if you've ever thought about volunteering, you want to dedicate yourself, you come up and and let us know. We'll come on over and have some pizza and watermelon because we want you to get to know Peggy and Daniel. Um, And then I loved that I was thinking about about Michael because Michael's, you know, he's, he's retired now. And I thought, you know, I wonder if Michael could move up in leadership for the food pantry. And Peggy's like, I already asked him. He'll be picking up the food and, and leading teams. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, um, friends, we need friends to help friends. We just do. Last week, Lindsay came up to me at the end of the service we haven't hugged since COVID, right, Lindsay? And Lindsay, we're like, are we hugging? Are we, are we hugging? And we're hugging, and she's bawling. 
And I remember when we had our first meeting on Zoom at COVID time, and you were being so careful and so, you know, aware, and your mom works at the homeless shelter, and you just, you had really particularities that you were trying to take care of. And one of the things we cried about while we weren't hugging was, I can't imagine not hugging for a really, really, really long time. And then we hugged, and, you know, she just... She was like, the waterworks came on, and I, I didn't cry. I was just like, I was warm. You know, it was just one of those, my gosh. You know, and then there were people like Seth. We hugged the whole time, and right, right, Seth? And, you know, because, and, and, you know. Seth didn't want to cry at some point. <laughs> That's what that was <laughs> But, friends, I just want to say, um, we need, uh, we need this gift of friendship. And, um, and there are people, you know, Scott and I, we're very relationally oriented. And when we planted the church, we thought every person that we planted the church with was going to be with us until we all died and got, or got raptured. Like that would, oh yeah, that, that's how that'll happen. And it hasn't been like that. And we have wept over people as they have moved to other parts of the country or had another call to go somewhere else. We, you know, usually, you know, usually it's like, um, yeah, like I feel like a hole in my soul for a period of time. I just do. It's the way I'm made. God made me that way. I'm, I've learned to accept myself. It's all right. But, you know, I also know that churches are like the bus, uh, we've been told, that you know, people get on, people get off. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And um, and so we really don't even know what Crossroads is going to look like post-COVID, my friends. We have no idea. You know, I saw on Facebook one day, one of our people said, I saw you took a picture at another church down the street. Are you gone? They're like, sister, I've been gone for six months, you know. And I, so we don't really know who Crossroads Church is right now. We have some people who are here that started coming online during COVID, never had been here before, and now are sitting in the room. It's very interesting. Who is Crossroads Church in this next season? We do not know, but we know that God has a plan for the friendships that God has created here, and God will create friendships with good friends who have been here and have gone other places, and with new people who will come, and we just want to say, what will God do with relationships here? I don't know, but I'm excited about it, and you know, um, that's what communion is, my friends, is friendship with God and friendship with one another. So I'm going to invite you to just open up your communion and consider that we are a part of the body of Christ worldwide, that there are people that we're breaking bread with right here in the room, and there are people that we're breaking bread with, like one of our students was from Italy. And she has been with us on more than one occasion now. And, you know, I, I don't know who God would call Crossroads at this moment. But I know that we're a part of the Big C Church all over the world. And so I'd love for you to just hold the bread and remember that Jesus said on the night that he was betrayed by his friends, 
On the night he was betrayed by his friends, he broke bread. He gave thanks. And he said to them and to us, take this, all of you, and eat it. This is my body broken for you. And every time you eat, remember me. And Jesus, may we remember the body of Christ all over the world right now. Old friends, new friends. Friends that are being persecuted around the world. Friends who don't have bread today to even break. Friends that will be fed by the food pantry. Friends that are in the room. Friends that are online with us. And though we are many, we are one body in Christ. And together we say, Jesus, we remember you. And we can't remember you, the head, without remembering the rest of the body. So together we eat with the family of God. After supper was ended with those friends, Jesus lifted the cup and said, Take this, all of you, and drink it. This is the cup of the new covenant. My blood will be shed for you and for all, so that sins will be forgiven. And every time you drink it, remember me. And so, friends, can we remember those who have betrayed us or those who have hurt us or those who have loved us well and failed us, those who need our forgiveness, those who we want to ask for forgiveness? Friends who feel separated, friends who feel unloved. Friends who need healing in their mind or their body. And with that, we drink together in honor of what you've done for us, Jesus. presence of Christ in the world for forgiveness. And let's say, Jesus, we remember you, and we remember the people you've brought to our heart and mind. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And together.
I've seen your goodness on the mountain. I felt your love in the valley, and your grace still surrounds me. God, you've been good to me. You've been good to me. I've seen your goodness on the mountain. I felt your love in the valley. And your grace still surrounds me. God, you've been good to me. You've been good to me.
friends like you, that we would bear one another's burdens and cheer one another on, that we would encourage one another while we still have this moment. And so for each of us, I pray that we would experience the friendship of God in a way that makes us the kind of friends that are needed in our world right now. What? A friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to our friends in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God of relationship. In the beginning was relationship. And today we take that relationship even when God said, let us make human beings in our own image. That you dreamed that we would reflect that kind of relationship in the world. And so God, may we bring it each one, go ahead, just ask God, say, I want to bring it. I want to bring loyalty. I want to bring honesty. I want to bring dedication. I want to bring authenticity to a world who longs to know your friendship. Let it be so. Let it be true in us, God, as the friends of God, that we bring it out in such a way that it's not just words on our lips, that we love you, Lord, but that we're living it in a way we've never done before, stronger, deeper, higher, wider, in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Everybody have a beautiful week. We love you.